What does it mean to be Canadian content? For many of you, you think, well, I never really thought about it. I, I know that somebody had a handle on it. I had uh, so many times in my career had to be a CanCom person. <laughs> Sometimes shows that you did were part of a CanCom requirement and and you just went with it and it it turned out great. It it didn't it wasn't a ball and chain. You tried to make it a feature and often it was. Well, we're learning now that the meaning of CanCon, certainly the modern meaning of CanCon isn't all that we thought. And this is, you know, the stakes are high. People get all sorts of grants and tax cuts and all these things based on whether or not they're Canadian content. It can make or break a project. And the definition of it is a little hazy, to say the least. It is not particularly clear. So what does it mean? And Michael Guest, Michael Geist is joining us. Sorry, Michael. Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. Michael, good evening. Oh, good evening. Michael, first of all, as I said, do you think Canadians really know what CanCon is and does it matter to them? I think it, it may matter to some, but I don't think many know what it is. Uh, I think they think they know what it is. <laughs> you know, you see content that uh, is situated in Canada or has Canadian, recognizable Canadian actors. You probably think that's CanCon. It often is not. When we move into the digital realm, user content on TikTok and uh, Instagram and YouTube, frankly, I don't think anybody really knows typically or rarely knows whether or not it's Canadian or not. And yet government with this legislation, Bill C-11, is is looking to shoehorn in the user content into this CanCon system and trying its best to try to bring in the Netflixes of the world into a CanCon system that I think is uh, confusing at best, but quite, quite frankly, not really fit for purpose. No, it's very, very true. And, you know, it's a modern thing. They're trying to modernize it. And it was confusing to begin with. What criteria are they using here? Or is well, it, it, there yeah. criteria so, obvious here? Sure. So so it depends a little bit on, on what kind of content we're talking about. If we're, if we're talking about the user content, the, the TikToks and YouTubes, I mean, there you're on completely uncharted territory. The reality is there is no country in the world that would seek to regulate that kind of content as essentially akin to conventional film or television content with a domestic sort of content rules in the same way. So how they would go about doing that, frankly, remains an unknown. They haven't specified it. They've only suggested that some of that content can be caught by the legislation and, and essentially will punt some of those questions to the CRTC. But those are, are difficult questions, and they're, they're problematic ones. We've even, for example, had the Privacy Commissioner raise concerns about the proposal, saying the effect of that might well be to force people who post stuff to YouTube or TikTok to reveal more about themselves to these large platforms so that they fit into the system. So for that kind of content, there frankly are no clear-cut rules, but for whatever reason, uh, I think the government quite ill-advisedly trying to shoehorn it in. When it comes to the, the more conventional film and television production, at this stage they're not changing the rules. Um, but I think that the fact that they're trying to bring in some of these large foreign streaming services has really shone a spotlight on how ineffective the rules are. 
They've always been confusing, but now there's other avenues, as you just pointed out. I think a lot of people would be surprised that, uh, you know, Canadian foundation voices like Celine Dion, Brian Adams, Justin Bieber, their catalogs are not recognized as Canadian. Gosh, that didn't happen many years ago. I mean, they were the benchmark of Canadian music industry. And they you made stars and you played the stars. Right. And and so and listen, there there are rules for music, the so called maple rules that, that consider uh, the artist, where the, the recording took place, and things like that. Uh, and then there are the film and TV rules, which is a bit of a larger checkbox exercise where they take a look at you know, the number of actors and the producer and uh, various other roles within the production as to whether or not uh, there are enough of those that are Canadian to qualify. But there's also some requirements for film and TV that are absolute requirements. So, for example, there's a requirement that the, uh, that the ultimate product, the intellectual property, be owned by a Canadian. And that's really where we've seen a lot of tension begin to emerge because you've got services like Netflix and Disney and others that are producing content that appears to be Canadian really in every way imaginable in terms of being filmed in Canada with Canadian actors, Canadian directors. I mean, it's, it's Canadian in every way you might imagine, except for the fact that Netflix owns it or Disney owns it. And so Canada's rules say, well, that's not Canadian. I kind of understand that, though. To you, I mean, if if they own it, is it Canadian? A question well, I guess, for yeah. philosophers everywhere. That's the. Well, I mean, in many ways, that's the question that that. What are we trying to achieve here? Mm-hmm. We're trying to achieve Canadian ownership, and if the goal is CanCon as Canadian-owned content, well, then you're right; it wouldn't be. But as we saw at a Senate hearing. Uh, about a week or so ago, there were a number of Canadian comedians and actors that appeared, including Darcy Michael from Vancouver. And he was asked, you know, are you Canadian content? He's had some produ- he's had some shows that are available on Crave. Uh, but, you know, the question was posed, what if Netflix came to you and they said they wanted to record their next show um, and put it on their air and they would own, and on their system and they would own the intellectual property? Would that be Canadian content? And Darcy's response was, well, of course it's Canadian content. I'm Canadian. How could what I produce not be Canadian content? And yet, you know, even in answer to your question, well, if Netflix owns yeah. it, is it Canadian content? And I think that's part of the problem. Are we trying to create something about Canadian ownership? Are we trying to do something about Canadian jobs? Or are we trying simply to do something that reflects Canadian stories? And the system doesn't really do any of those particularly well, but I think we have to decide what we want to achieve as a starting point. It used to be about, at least they said it was about Canadian stories. Then there was such a a pull to get the industry working and giving all sorts of cuts and trying to lure all these American companies here, come here, and it'll work out for you. And now it seems like they're not very strategic. How did that happen? Well, you're right that, um, that that certainly the initial conception for a lot of people focused more on Canadian stories. And I think that's still the case, certainly for some of the politicians. You know, certainly we've seen around C-11, when they, when they try to justify the legislation, they invariably revert back to that, talking about we want to ensure that our children get to see Canadian stories. And if we don't have this, that won't happen. So it's ve- it tends to be argued around that cultural dimension. 
But there's often then a quick flip to say, you know what, we want to ensure that there are Canadian jobs in this area. Well, we know there are right now record numbers of Canadian jobs. And one of the things that's been interesting is we have the largest entertainment workers union also appear before the Senate. And they're upset with a system that basically doesn't recognize some of their Canadian members as as mattering in a certain respect for some of these productions because they don't tick the right box. And, you know, I think that we need to sit back and think, are, is this about trying to get more jobs and, and economic activity? If it is, we've been hugely successful, but the system isn't really geared towards that. If it's about ownership, how can we bring in and say that Netflix and Disney and these companies must be part of our system? They're going to be regulated like they're any other broadcaster, but then say they can't own the work that they've actually gone ahead and funded doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense either. And if it's about Canadian stories, well, then we really need to reconsider the system because we know that there are any number of productions that seem to be Canadian that don't qualify. And then there are, of course, lots of other productions that seem to have nothing to do with Canada at all. And yet they've ticked the right boxes and somehow they get treated as Canadian content. And you bet these companies, they know all this stuff, as you know. I mean, they're you know, you talk to these American production companies, and when when Canada's involved, they know there's an opportunity there. So they, they do have to balance it. But I, I do think it's time, and I'm sure you agree with me as we're talking here, just tell tell the country what you want to do. Otherwise, we get, I don't know, we have questions. Let's put it that way. Well, I think that's right. And of course they know. You know, you can go through the list of uh, what's known as the CAVCO certified productions. They, they literally put them all on their website. And some of them are stunning. I remember going through it uh, and coming across a documentary called Gotta Love Trump, which um, frankly doesn't feel Canadian whatsoever. It's all interviews a bunch of people in the United States. But they create, but the, uh, there was a little bit of it filmed in Vancouver. Um, just sort of some shots in Vancouver. Many, Some of the other producers and people involved with the production Vancouver-based, and it was quite clear the goal was to fit within the system, even though this clearly had absolutely nothing to do with Canada. So we've got a system that, that I think gets manipulated. It's always a fraught discussion because you've got people who are benefiting from the existing system who don't want to see changes, mm-hmm. people who are on the outside who do want to see those changes, and politicians that are often trying to wield the system for their own purposes to get legislation through, even though they know full well that it's not really achieving what they're claiming it's designed to achieve. All right. Thank you, Michael Geist, uh, Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law, University of Ottawa. Thank you. Have a great night. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.